And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. <coughs> I remember during the big winter storm of 2021, how our block on our street responded. We all got each other's cell phone numbers and created a single big text thread so that we could all keep up with one another and help each other out. Vitaly and I shoveled our neighbor's sidewalks and driveways, and when our water stopped, our neighbors would fill up the five-gallon buckets that we would walk over to them. Our little street was full of mutual gift-giving and mutual support. And this is often the case in a time of emergency. We rise to the occasion, as the saying goes. And there was an emergency coming at the time of Jesus as well. And Jesus, as prophet, knew it was on the way, predicted it, and warned people about it. Rome was about to call the loan, so to speak, on allowing Judea and Judeans throughout the empire to have a unique relationship with their God and to have relative independence of government. Rome was about to come crashing down. Jesus wants all of Israel to rise to the occasion, but he doesn't want them to wait until the emergency comes. He wants them to start now. Jesus wants them to do what they ought to have been doing from the start, working within the kingdom of heaven rather than on the terms of the kingdom of this world. He wants, them, he wants us to enter back into a relationship of mutual gift-giving and mutual support, grounded in the love of his Father that defines the kingdom of heaven. Our gospel passage this morning is a difficult one. Its meaning is not immediately self-evident, at least to us as modern folk. I think you picked this one on purpose. Good work. This parable is just hard to understand. There are a lot of ways to look at it, but I will share with you what I have found helpful. Remember Jesus' context. He's preaching to Galileans and to Judeans who are currently under foreign imperial rule. They do not have their own independence and freedom as a nation. Some of their own country folk, in order to survive or even to take advantage of a bad situation, have set up positions where they can side with or administer on behalf of the Roman occupation and exploit and even extort their own people. A chief example of this would be tax collectors. So let's, let's use that as a way in. There was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property. So he summoned and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Give me an accounting of your management because you cannot be my manager any longer. It would be easy for Jesus' listeners to imagine a situation where a tax collector might suddenly, as still actually just a foreigner, as far as the Romans are concerned, suddenly coming to odds with his Roman overlord, where he's fallen out of favor, where he's no longer useful. Jesus is saying that this is coming for all of Israel. 
for all those in Galilee and Judea who are colluding with Rome and taking advantage of their positions with with this foreign occupation, Jesus is saying the time is inevitably coming when this rich man, Rome, is going to see them, tax collectors and other such colluders, as squandering the trust that they've been given. And then Rome will turn on them, and there will be no one to save them. Then the manager said to himself, what will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. The manager, the tax collector, has lived a cushy life doing Rome's dirty work. Now that life is about to be taken away. He has enjoyed a certain station in life by being associated with the powerful oppressor. When they remove their backing, he will be hated by his own people and have nowhere to turn. Scary, right? I've decided what to do so that when I am dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. Like our winter storm, the tax collector is about to experience a real emergency in his life. So he cooks up a plan, a plan to do what he ought to have been doing from the start, working in and within the kingdom of God. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? He answered, "An hundred jugs of olive oil. He said to him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 50. Then he asked another, and how much do you owe? And he replied, "An hundred containers of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and make it 80. Do you see what's going on here? <laughs> yeah, this is a brilliant plan, right? The tax collector has figured out how to get back on good terms with those he had previously colluded with Rome to oppress. When you're in debt and someone releases you from it, or even just a portion of it, it's the same thing as receiving a gift. The tax collector is given the only gifts that he knows how, the only gift he has the resources left to give. He's giving the gift of, at least some relative freedom from, the oppression that his fellow Israelites are under, oppression that he had previously helped to impose. He's forgiving them their debts as he would like them to forgive his debts to them. That should sound familiar. (laughs) The tax collector decides to enter back into the mutual gift giving of the community and economy of the people of God that God envisioned when God called Israel to be Israel in the first place. Mutual support, the kind of mutual support we give one another in emergencies, but he's gonna do it right away before his emergency hits him. He is deciding to enter back into this right relationship, mutual self-giving and mutual support grounded on the infinite gift of the infinite Father that defines the most important thing in Jesus' teaching, the kingdom of heaven. He's leaving behind the kingdom of this world, in this case, in his day and age, Rome, and he is returning to the kingdom of God and the life of the age to come now. So he can hope when his power and source of wealth is stripped of him 
by the foreign occupation, that he will be welcomed back into the homes of his own people whom he had previously betrayed. Jesus is giving sound advice in this parable to his fellow Israelites. For you see, there is coming a time, and indeed it did, when Rome is going to prosecute all of Israel, Galileans and especially Judeans, for squandering the trust Rome had placed in their local authorities to govern on behalf of Rome. And when you don't do what Rome wants, well then, you know what happens. It doesn't turn out good for you. And in the end, the temple was destroyed. And eventually, Jews were forbidden even to set forth in the promised land for centuries as long as the Roman Empire held sway there. Jesus knows this is coming. Through this parable, he's giving his fellow country folks some sound advice. Start to forgive one another any debts, real or imagined, now. Let it go. Forgive and be forgiven. Enter back into a relationship of mutual gift-giving, a mutual support that defines the kingdom of heaven. Declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Declare that the Lord's jubilee year has come. Return to a kingdom of gift, the kingdom of God. Now, if the parable wasn't weird enough, it gets even weirder here. This is when it gets fun. <laughs> and the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? Right? Isn't the owner being robbed by the manager? Wouldn't this make him even more angry? Wouldn't he prosecute him or, if Rome, persecute him? But remember how tax collectors made money. They made money by skimming off the top. Rome would tell the tax collector what they were expecting, and the tax collector would charge a fee for the collection that would go into his own pocket. The manager, the tax collector, didn't tell them to take their bills and mark them down to zero. <laughs> he had to mark them down from 100 to half that, 50. From 100 down to a fifth, fifth less, to 80. In other words, he canceled his own surcharge. The owner, Rome, still got paid what it was expected, what it was expecting. So the owner and the manager walk away on the level. Rome can't find anything on the tax collector when the tax collector finally walks away from his exploiting job. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. I never understood what that meant. And now it makes so much sense. That guy's pretty shrewd. He's figured it out. He's going to find a way to get out from under his obligation to Rome and still have a relationship of forgiveness waiting for him on the other side. Meanwhile, the children of light, who are slugging it out under oppression, trying to make an honest buck, living from widow's might to widow's might, because they won't cheat their neighbors, they have something to learn from the shrewdness of this down-and-out tax collector. Forgive other folks their debts to you, real or imagined, and you will be forgiven. Enter back into the mutual gift-giving, the mutual support. Enter the kingdom of heaven. 
preach the acceptable year of the Lord, the Lord's jubilee of forgiveness of debts. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, and it's going to be, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. In a few minutes, we will come to God in prayer. In prayer, we will ask for God's forgiveness of our debts. Then we'll bring up our offerings of bread and wine. We will bring up our offerings of tithes and money. We will recall to God our commitments of time and talent to the church and to the Lord's service. And then we will give thanks for all these things that we placed on God's altar. Then we will say the prayer that Jesus taught us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then we'll walk up to take the bread of life and the cup of salvation. The bread and the wine that went up that we contributed to, will each one of us get one bite and one sip, or one dip, as the case may be. Hmm. And that money that went up there, it's also going to get broken up and divided, and it's going to pay the bills so that we can worship God with electric lighting and air conditioning every Sunday, and so that we can pay those who will be pastors to us when we call them in an emergency so that they can be completely available when you have a pastoral emergency. And it will be divided up to ministries that help the poor, the sick, the destitute, the lonely, the grieving. That's what's going to happen. We do it every Sunday. Then we will ask God to welcome us into the eternal homes. We will act out in ritual this parable. Do you see? And through it, God will give us more than we could ask for or imagine. Welcome into his home, an infinite gift from an infinite God. We will, by means of this ritual, enter back into a relationship of mutual giving and mutual support that defines this sacrament of the kingdom. Then minutes later, one of us, probably Zach, will dismiss you to go into the world in peace, in the power of the Spirit, to love and serve the Lord. In this ritual action that we do as Christians every week, we receive the grace to live the Christian life to which we have been called so that this coming week, so that the rest of our lives, we know by faith that God will give us the grace to continue to come to God in prayer, to continue to notice when we've wronged others and promptly admit it and make amends, to bring to God the fruit of our life and labor. We will remember to give thanks, to develop an attitude of gratitude. We will pray the Lord's Prayer every day 
and by grace, we will mean it. We will remember how Jesus taught us that when we forgive others their debts, we in turn find the forgiveness that we seek, that we most desire. We will break bread with those whom God has given us as neighbors. We will welcome them into our homes, and we in turn will be welcomed into theirs. Like we do in emergencies, like many of us did during that winter storm of 2021, we will rise to the occasion. We will live in our lives the parable of our Lord, but we won't wait till the next emergency, will we? We will start now, today, because grace is real. Isn't that good news? We will, in our daily lives, return to what we'd always been called to do. We will enter back into that relationship of mutual giving and mutual support grounded in the infinite gift of our infinite Father that defines the kingdom of heaven, the life of the age to come that begins now. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of dishonest wealth, so that when it is gone, they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Amen.